You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. So if you're taking notes, the title of this message is We Are the Body. Um, and last week we kind of talked a little bit more about how we are a family and how that family operates together. And today we're going to talk about a little bit more about how we are a body operating together. And bodies operate very specifically. Um, a couple things that I know about the body is that it's meant to be alive, right? And I believe that as the body of Christ, we are meant to be alive, amen? We're not meant to be dead. We're not meant to be quiet. We're not meant to be silent. We're not meant to be um, sick. We're meant to be alive and thriving. And I believe that we have an alive church. I believe that not just um, the God, the, the, the body of God is alive in the earth, but I believe specifically that Koinonia is alive, um, and there's joy in that for me, to come to a church that um, we, get to, we get to touch the hem of the garment of God, you know, when we come into the house, because we're getting closer and closer to him. We are looking more and more like Christ. And I believe that's what life is. When, when we allow God to breathe life into us, it's not just us jumping around and being alive, but alive because the breath of God is inside of us. And I believe that that's what's happening here at Quinnia, and I love it. I love it. So we're, we're the body, and we are called to be alive. Another thing I know about the body is it has a lot of parts that talk to a lot of other parts, okay? My dad used to say this thing. If I ever had a headache or something, he would, he would say, do you want me to stomp on your foot? And I was like, of course not. You know, like, that's absurd. <laughs> but what he was leaning on is that if my foot was hurting, I would probably forget that my head was hurting <laughs> because my body talks, the body talks. Um, my sister is a massage therapist. She studied in a lot of different versions of massage. And um, just recently, I've been having this kink in my neck. And so I was just like, hey, she was over for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, praise the Lord, she's going to come and, you know, do her things. And so I'm always looking forward. I never ask, but sometimes she offers. She's like, you want me to massage? And I'm like, yes, please, you know. And so she was giving me a little massage. And I was like, hey, it's like tight in my neck. And I suspect it's coming from my shoulder because I've been having, you know, just I work at a desk most of the day, you know, sitting, doing the thing. So I suspect my neck pain is coming from my shoulder. I understand. Body's connected. So she's feeling down my neck, feeling down my shoulder. She's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's really tight right here. And then she kept feeling down the back of my back, of my back and she's like, you have a weak muscle near your rib that's causing your hip to overcompensate, causing your shoulder to overcompensate because you have a weak muscle right here. So what you need to do is you need to strengthen your back. And I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, when you're in the car, keep your legs stretched out. She was just explaining to me that the, the kink in my neck is from a tightness in my hip. That doesn't make sense, right? Like, why is my hip tight, meaning sore neck? I don't understand. I don't always understand the connections, but what I do understand is that there are connections. I don't understand how they connect all the time, all I understand is that they do connect. They do connect. So if we are the body, and God is very specific in his descriptors, okay, he's not playing games with words, he's specific with his words. He's called us the body because you relate to each other. When one is off, it has the potential to throw another off. When one is weak, it has the potential to force somebody to overcompensate in a way that's actually dysfunctional. How I operate can never be considered in isolation because I'm a part of a body. And so when I operate in my house, in this house, in the body of God, um, if I feel really, really strong, like just like my hip muscle super, super strong for some reason because it's overcompensating for a weak other muscle, it's actually brokenness. 
So your strength and how you're operating, is, and if it's not considered amongst the whole, it might be a sign of some dysfunction if you're not easily relating to those around you. So the body, one part of the body impacts another part of the body. Another thing I know about bodies is they grow. They grow imperceptibly. My son, um, as a family, every year, our tradition is we have Thanksgiving, and then on Thursday, it's decorating day, and it is a whole day. We decorate all day long, and we wear pajamas all day long. Um, we listen to Christian's music, and we watch Elf, and we do all these things all day long. And every single year after our tree is done being trimmed, we take a group, we take a family selfie, okay? So this year we did it, and it was fun, and um, it was, you know, just like it has been. My son now is 13, so the traditions are feeling different. I'm like, nope, you're still decorating. We're not done. You know, I'm having to pull him just a little bit differently, but it's okay. I'm good at that. And so I pulled him in, and I was like, we're doing a selfie now. It's time for a selfie. So I took a selfie of him. And I just wanted to see, I just start looking at, you know, your phone will show you memories from the previous year. And it's basically every year I have a picture of us in pajamas by our tree. And I was able to look at last year in 2020, the same exact picture, except in the, the picture of the year before, my son is at my shoulder. And in this picture this year, my son's at my eyebrow. And I had no idea that that's how much he grew. Okay, so this whole year he's been asking for shoes on repeat, and I'm thinking he's just being greedy. And I was like, what? You, I just got you shoes like six weeks ago. Like, we don't need more shoes. And then I noticed, I'm like, what's wrong with your pants? Like, I keep asking him, like, what is wrong with your pants? He's got high waters every day, you know? And I'm like, poor baby. And so I'm just kind of confused. Even with the signs, I didn't notice the growth until I saw the picture. And I was like, oh, holy Moses, you know? Like, that's a lot of inches, a lot of inches. I didn't know it because the growth is slow and I live with him. Okay? Growth is slow, and when you have that proximity, sometimes you don't see it. And this is an encouragement to me, because sometimes we'll be in the church, and we don't see our own growth. We don't see it. Sometimes we're thinking, like, man, am I growing? Are we growing? Are we doing a thing? But sometimes, because you're in the middle of it, we don't see that we as the church, we are growing. We are growing. We are developing. We are growing more mature, mature in Christ. Amen? And that's good. That's good. Sometimes we don't get the, the luxury of the snapshot. Sometimes we don't get the luxury of the snapshot. And sometimes we don't take the time to try to find a snapshot. Like, let me look back. Let me think about this for a second and see how I've grown. Um, I'm going to spend just a few minutes and share with you um, a little bit about my testimony with the church, with the body. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I, I really do love the church I love the church. I love our church. I love our church specifically, but um, I really love the bride of Christ. Um, so I became a Christian. I was eight years old. Um, my family was really dysfunctional. We, um, I have two younger sisters. They're half-sisters. My, my dad is not my bio dad. Um, and so there was a lot of addictions. Um, there was a lot of alcohol abuse. Um, my parents' marriage was really rocky for a long time because of those additional things, and there was a ton of sexual dysfunction. Um, we were never abused, but my mom was. And so when I was an infant, um, we were running together, me and my mom. I was a baby, but um, she, was, she was living a life that like, just continued to dive into that area of sexual dysfunction. So then when we came to the church, I mean, there were seasons when, um, when me and my little sisters, I would... Um, I, I'm kind of protective over them because of the dis dysfunction that was in my house. And so there would be seasons when um, I would wake up 
and hear what was happening in the house. And I would get my sisters out of their bed, and I would take them into the closet because we'd have to hide. We'd have to hide because it was scary, some of the things, and I didn't totally understand it. And so my mom and dad realized that what was happening in our world was going to lead to uh, more brokenness. Like there was a season when they actually had to split up, and because um, um, me and my sisters are not full sisters, I went and stayed with one grandma, and they went and stayed with another. So there was this constant, like, instability. Um, And I remember my mom was going through AA, trying to get clean. She did all kinds of programs, and a lot of the programs are really, really good that's out there. But she went into AA, so she had a sponsor. And her sponsor invited her to church. I'm sorry, but her, her sponsor invited her to church. And so she went, we all went, and I was not happy about it. <laughs> I was not happy about it. Number one, we had to get up early on a Sunday. And number two, as soon as we walked in the building, we, we did what churches make all families do when they separate. <laughs> you know, like you kids go over here, you kids go over here, um, parents are going to go over here. And so because of the, what I had over protective over my little sisters, as soon as they told me I had to go to a different class than my sisters, I was like, oh, I don't trust this. You know, I don't know where, I don't know where they're going. I, and so I immediately just didn't trust it. And so the whole time I'm just sitting there, I was like, okay, you know, doing the things, but just judging it 100% as an eight-year-old, which eight-year-olds are judges too. But afterwards, my dad came and got us from the class, and he just had us sit in the back because my mom was having her life transformed. She sat, she was sitting kind of in the middle, and we were just sitting in the back, and I just watched her hunched over, sobbing. And we stayed in the church, and she sobbed and sobbed, and she cried for 30 minutes because the Lord was transforming her heart. He was breaking off of her things that had been on our heart. He was breaking off of her things that had been in our family for generations, brokenness that had followed from my mother's mother, from my grandmother's mother, you know, had just passed on to the women in my family. And I knew, I knew there was a chance it was coming my way. You know what I mean? Even as an eight-year-old, I'm learning and picking up the things. And I knew that there was something that could be passed on my way. But in that moment, I watched as the Lord transformed my family. And, And it was not a lengthy amount of time. Like sometimes transformation takes a lot of time. There's a lot of bits of transformation that takes a lot of time. But I watched over the next six months or so as addictions fell, my parents' marriage was restored. All of a sudden, we had food on the table again where sometimes we weren't, you know. I just watched all of a sudden where the people who were going away from each other, they just started coming together. And I was like, look what God is doing. So the distrust that I had in a moment was immediately transformed. I was like, wait, there's something real here. There's something different here. This is not just a program to feel really good. This is something that can change your life. Nobody had to convince me after that moment that God was real because I saw him. I saw him transform a heart that had for generations been hardened. I saw him transform a marriage that had been on on repeat dysfunctional and separated. I saw us start to gain a semblance of healing. I remember my mom, at one point, she woke us up in the middle of the night, and she was like, baby girl, we're going to do a thing. 
And this is how the Lord works in my house. Sometimes it was just like in the middle of the night, we had to do a thing. And he, she woke us up and we all had to get into, she gathered her carton of cigarettes and she was like, let's get rid of them. The Lord said to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of them. So I remember just rolling the cigarettes and we just rolled them into the toilet and she flushed. And I remember being like, what are we doing? Like, this is so weird. But there was just moments and moments where the Lord was like, now this, now it's this. And I'm going to get that. Now it's that that's in your life. I want that too. And he just started transforming things. There were seasons when we were hearing uh, voices in our house. We were hearing uh, people run down the halls, but nobody was there. So we had our pastors come and uh, anoint our house with oil. Me and my sisters, we used to have nightmares. My baby sister, she would have night terrors where she would wake up screaming because there were things in our house that should not have been in our house. We had the pastors come, anoint all of our doors with oil, and then after that, nightmares were gone. The weird sounds in the background, they were gone because the power of the people of God, when they partner with God, mighty, mighty things can happen. Mighty, mighty things can happen. So I just started, so we just dove in. There was no need to convince us. Like, you're like, hey, we need a volunteer. I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to. It was like, okay, what do you need? Like, there was a commitment bought out of an absolute understanding of transformation. I was like, well, we're in. We're in. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We are in. So what do you need? What do we need to help make this happen for more? We want to make this happen for more. So we started serving in a really um, kind of all-consuming way. We were here all the time. We were church kids 100%. And man, we were still, fun- we were still funky. You know, there was still stuff. <laughs> there was still stuff. So we, I mean, it took years and years, and we're still experiencing. I'm like, there's still things that the Lord's like, oh, remember that? That's from your childhood. It's still there. You need to get rid of that. You know, like, he's still doing things in me. But man, God worked really quick. It was miraculous, the things he did in my family. And then again, when I was 17, he, he shifted something inside of me. He used the church again. He used the people around me. We, um, I was in youth ministry here. Um, when I had moved here, I wasn't happy about it because I lived, we're a military family and we lived in Florida, then we lived in Virginia Beach, and then I heard we were moving to California and I was like, sweet, you know, San Diego. And then we move here. I was like, where's all the buildings? You know, like, what's that smell? You know, I was just like, I was like 13 and just real cranky about it, you know? real cranky about it. And we got here, and the youth pastor, he, he had just moved here too, and um, I, I was just not interested, right? I came in, I felt resistance already. I was like, this, ugh, you know, and I was also 13, so everything needed extra convincing. So I um, came into the church, and he just said something about how he was from Virginia Beach, and immediately the Lord just allowed me to feel at home. Like, it had nothing to do with his sermon, had nothing to do about guest services, like, it was just a person saying, I'm from Virginia Beach. And I was like, oh, my gosh, me too. And the Lord just softened my little angsty 13-year-old heart and allowed me to be home in a place that didn't feel like home. And then when I was 17, he showed me myself through the people I was serving. He was like, Candace, you're serving out of dysfunction. You're serving because you think you have to earn this. Because you think that the price I paid for you, you have to try to pay it back. And then he said, you get to serve just because you're loved. And you love. And so I remember very specifically, it's not that I did different things. I love from a different place. So the Lord has just continued to use his presence in the house to transform my heart. 
to transform my family. I met my husband here. Hallelujah. We're raising our kids in this house. We're we trying to operate under a sense of normalcy of being a part of the body. This is what's normal. This is what's normal. Okay? And that's hard because there's a lot of... There's a lot of things in here that don't feel normal, right? So I'm trying to normalize a thing that actually in the world is very, very different. So we're trying, that's what we're doing is we are, um, we are trying to allow God to keep a hold of our hearts. And here's the thing. This is my prayer for those of you guys who are raised in the church or maybe you're raising kids in the church. I pray that God gives your kids a moment of revelation that is specifically for them. Because sometimes, as a kid, we feel like if our lives weren't transformed, if we didn't have that crazy testimony where all of a sudden we have this transformative moment, that we, we don't have this moment with Jesus. But God gets a hold of your heart in so many different levels and avenues. And so if you have been raised in the church and you're a young person and you feel like you don't know anything different, God is after your heart too. He has a mighty plan for your heart too. He has a mighty plan for your life. And it has nothing to do with the context of your history, but it's everything to do with the glory of God. And he will use his glory and reflect his glory off of your heart. I grew up in the church, and so I, I never did drugs. I never drank a lick of alcohol till I was 21. I never, there were so many things that the Lord saved me from because I was in the church, and that's my testimony. And I'm ex- exceptionally grateful that the Lord has saved me from what looked like a generational pathway that was taking me somewhere else. He has saved me, and it stopped with me. It has stopped with me. The work, the work that happened that one Sunday morning, it started with my mom, got my dad, and it was a hard line in the sand that the enemy had no more room to work in this family. Praise the Lord for the church. Praise the Lord for the church. So when I come into the house, when I come into the house and I come into this front row and we sing songs, I'll never be the same. It's not, it's not light words. It's not light words. Whenever we sing a song that says, I'll never be the same, I think, I imagine where I'd be without Jesus. I just imagine, just God, give me a sense. Where would I be? I'll never be the same. And that's the heartbeat behind the church. The heartbeat behind the church is the transformation that exists when we start to engage with one another. It changes the world. So we're going to read a little chunk of scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. And I'm going to give you just a few points on who we are as the body of Christ, how we operate, and how we relate to one another. And then we're going to spend some time and pray and maybe some impartation. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, read with me, not out loud. Therefore, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's confusing and you'll start reading and it's sad and whatever. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. We've all been called, right? It's a high calling. It's a precious calling. If you're a Christian, you're called. If you believe in Jesus, you are called. It's not just for those who have a lot of education, a lot of money. It's not just for those who maybe get to be on a platform. If you are a Christian, you are called. So Paul is imploring all of us 
to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Verse 2, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Paul is trying to get this into our mind. If we don't understand there's one and we're in it and it's because of Jesus, read it again because you'll, you'll get it the second time. Verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's very important. I'm going to read it again. But to each one of us, not some of us, not the favored ones, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Christ gets to measure out his grace to you. He's measuring it out according to your calling. You have a calling, and he's giving you a grace for the calling on your life. So if you understand your calling and you see it to be too big for you, praise the Lord, it's probably the right calling. Because your calling must always be partnered with grace because without the grace of God, we're, we're too small for our calling. We're too small for it. And so if you're feeling ill-equipped or too small or too whatever for your calling, praise the Lord because that means you need his grace. That means you need his grace. And his grace is measured out. So he knows exactly what your calling is. He knows what your calling is today and for the rest of your life. And every day he measures it out for you. Every day he measures it out for you. Verse 8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led, captive, he led a, captive, a, a host of captives. He led captive a host of captains. Captives. And he gave gifts to men. We're going to skip to verse 11. <laughs> and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, because the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I'm going to read those last two verses one more time because they're so important. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We just don't get taller. We get better. We get more mature. We get more wise. Into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Who builds us? Each other. 
according to the proper working of each individual part. When you work, it grows the person next to you. It grows the person next to you. And if, if you are working properly, it causes the growth of the body. It causes the growth of the body. So I'm going to go through some, some aspects of the body. We're going to take through a little bit. Number one, we have an owner. This is in verse one. It says that we are a prisoner of the Lord. Prisoner of the Lord, that's not a song we sing very often. Like, hallelujah, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. You know, like we're not, we're not praising that song very often because those are hard words. Those are hard words. He doesn't say we're only a friend. He also says we're his slave, okay? And so that means we are not our own. We have an owner. And that means we didn't, we're not writing the script. We're not dictating the agenda. We're not in charge of the thing. We have an owner who's telling us where to go and how to do it. Praise the Lord <laughs> that the ruler, the creator of the universe has a plan and he's giving us step-by-step instructions. He's, he's doling that out to us, and we are not our own. We, we, we actually get to obey the Father, and the Father is good. The Father is good. So we can trust obeying the Father, even though by obeying the Father, he's going to take us through um, roads and pathways that we would not otherwise choose. There are some places that he has taken me where I would have preferred to go around instead of through, but he's like, no, you got to go through, baby girl, because I'm going to teach you something on the other side. I got to go through that difficulty. I have to go through that moment of not having enough money to pay the bills. I have to go through that situation of being really, really sick. I have to go through that disagreement with another member of the body of Christ. I have to go through that. I can't go around it because there's something that the one who's in charge of me wants to do something inside of me and inside of these other people when I go through the things. But good God, he is awesome. God is amazing. Praise the Lord. So we can trust Even though we don't own it all, we can trust because he owns it all and he's a good father. Number two, we have a structure. We the church, we the body of God, we have a structure. And some of us don't like structure. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm kind of a, you know, whatever not structure is. I like that better. I prefer it. (laughs) I'm late. I'm messy. I'm all those things, okay? So structure kind of ticks me off. I don't like balance. I prefer it to be out of whack because it makes me feel more comfortable. But there's something about structure that God has put on purpose, okay? God is a God who's not of chaos. He is a God of order. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And structure, by its very nature, results in a need for, it's boundary-oriented, so like even just my body is not actually over there in the back of the room. It's contained, right? And so there is a structure, a container of the church that God has specifically designed. Like Pastor Andrew just said, we are the vehicle. So there's this structure around what the church is that maximizes the move of God. It doesn't minimize it, okay? So sometimes when we think about structure, and this is why I struggle with it. When I think about structure, sometimes it feels like um, a confining organism. Okay, it feels confining. It's like a seatbelt. Okay, I remember. I remember back in the day when seatbelts first became like absolute. Back in the day, we used to not wear seatbelts. Nah! <laughs> we would be like rolling all over the back of the seat like it was a game, you know? It was a game. We used to play go where the car takes you. So if my dad took a turn, we would all like, and it was so fun. It was so fun. But then we had to start wearing seatbelts, and it felt like, whoa, you know? And so sometimes that structure, depending on how your, your gifts and operations go, it feels confining. There's some of you, you prefer only word. 
you're like, I'll just come late for worship because that's not the part that I like. Some of you would prefer just worship. And you're like, uh, can you sing another song, Alfred? You're like, we need, a, we need another song. You know, like, that's, like if I could pick it, there'd be a way, you know. But there's a structure because there's a need for the whole body to be spoken to. And it's intentional and it's not up to us. It's not up to us. Another part of the structure is when God describes the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is in verse 11 where he says, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. He's given us this structure of how churches are to be birthed and cared for and foundationally set in order to allow God's power to fall and things not to go into chaos. It's a structure. And sometimes we fight against the structure. Here in this church, did you know that um, each, each house gets to have a little bit of a different structure? There's something in the way that God has created us to have a little bit of flexibility in our structure. But in this house, there's a specific structure. Um, and so we are under the authority of our pastors. I personally, as, um, as, as a wife, I am submitted to my husband. That's part of the design of the structure. And those words aren't even like really popular nowadays. Like, oh, you submit to him? Like, yes, I do. <laughs> and it ain't easy. I'm loud. Okay. But yeah, I submit to him because that's the structure that the Lord has given the family. Do I like it all the time? Heck no. No. I would prefer to get to choose it every time. You know what I mean? But there's something of freedom. There's something of freedom when we submit to the boundaries determined by the Lord. Boundaries and submission are part of God's path for freedom. You don't have to believe it. It's true. Okay. We have a goal. We have a goal. We, the church, we have a goal. And there are three. Ready? Our goal is to glorify God. And I talked at length about this last week, that it is not about us. I don't come in here just for me. I come in here to be the sacrifice of praise. I come in here to glorify God. And if you're new to church, that's probably not why you came. But once you start to grow up in maturity, I don't come in here so that I can get a word. I come in here so I can praise God. Okay? And it shapes how I praise, because let me tell you, I don't always feel it, but I will have my hands up. I will have my hands up, because I know what the Lord has done, and I know who he is. And so because of that, there's no option for me. I will come and I will praise. That's number one. We're here to glorify God. Number two, we're here to build up the body. That's y'all. And it says that we build up the body, not Andrew builds up the body. And so the moment of um, impartation, when the word is being taught, is not the only time when we build each other up. And so if you're walking in the door and you're like, man, I can't, I can't wait to learn. I don't even know if people think this way, but like, I can't wait to learn what we're going to learn, or I can't wait to see what, you know, God says to me. And if we never walk in, like, man, I wonder what the Lord will have me do today for my brothers and sisters. We're missing a part. We're missing a huge part because we're here to glorify God, but we're here to build up the body. And that only happens when we build up the body. And that means y'all. That means you, the person next to you. You guys build each other up. And so there have been some words that I did not get from a pulpit, but I actually got from a neighbor who came to me, found me, used their gift of discernment or used their gift of prophecy or used their gift of wisdom to speak truth into my life. And that was what the Lord had for me that day. And it didn't come from the platform. It came from the seats. It came from the pew. And so I will encourage you guys, our job, not Andrew's job, 
Not my job, not Chad's job, not Sylvia's job. Our job is to glorify God and to build up the body. Your job is to build up the body. We cannot abdicate our role because it will not get done. It will not be done. We will be an anemic church if the job is left to one. Your job is to build up the body. And number three, our job is to reach the world. Go, therefore, this is Matthew 28, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I wish lo was like a normal thing we said. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are called to change the world. And I will tell you, I was the world at one point. (laughs) I was the world, okay? And somebody came out here, and they understood the assignment. They understood, and they came, and they said, listen, you need to get, because this is where the real transformation is. And they pulled my family in, and the transformation got started. And so we are called to go out and transform the world, because you are the church. We are called to glorify God. We're called to build up the body, and we're called to change the world. And when those three things happen, a mighty move of God is possible. A mighty move of God is possible. We have a strategy. We have a strategy. Um, Strategies kind of get me excited. I don't really care for order, but I really like strategies. Doesn't make sense, but it's true. Um, And you can see this in the verse that we are trying to grow in maturity. That's part of our strategy is you don't get to just stay a baby here. You get to start it as a baby here. That is absolutely true. Everybody gets to start as a baby here, spiritually, spiritually a baby. But part of the strategy is like, okay, next step. Let's go. Let's grow. Let's get somewhere new. And that part is actually the tricky part. A lot of people, when they come in here and they don't understand the strategy of growth, they get real offended and they'll leave <laughs> because that's the hard stuff. You're going to tell me why I'm wrong? Like, that's not fun, you know? You're going to tell me why I'm not perfect? You know, like, that's not super fun. But once we start to understand the strategy, like, oh, we're doing a thing here, and I'm called to build up the body, and I'm called to uh, reach the world, so I must be a mature, growing, developing Christian. Okay, let's go. I understand the strategy. We're growing because it's my job to build the body, and it's my job to reach the world. So then you have to understand the strategy means We need to grow in maturity. We got to, guys, because we will get offended by all sorts of stuff that will eradicate our witness in this world. Let's be less offended so more people can talk to us, okay? Um, Part of the strategy is we deny evil schemes. I know that sounds like real churchy. It really is. I'm going to tattoo. I'm like, I deny evil schemes. But it's a real thing. When you read this verse, it talks about how we understand the wiles of the enemy, We understand evil for evil. We're going to see it as evil. We're going to call it evil. We're going to draw a line in the sand that says evil has no place in this house. We're not going to let it in. We're going to deny evil schemes, which means we're going to pay attention. We're going to understand the gospel because that takes me to my my third point within the point. Um, We're going to teach good doctrine. That's That's part of the strategy. We're not just trying to teach things that make you feel good. We're trying to teach good things that make you line up. We want us to be in line with the Holy Spirit. We want us to be in line with the message of God, which requires good doctrine. And we're going to use our gifts to grow and encourage the body. Part of the strategy is not that I have to visit every sick person. Part of the strategy is not that I have to teach every single class. I can't facilitate every group. I can't pray for every person in need. 
part of the strategy is that we all carry um, the load of a family, of a body, and we pour into each other. We come on task every Sunday to worship God and to pour into the body. Because the last point that I'm going to make is we all play a part. We are fitted and held together. When I'm off, it matters to my church family. When you're off, it matters to your church family. Because we are fitted and held together. We don't get to be in isolation here. It's actually pretty spiritual that we are connected together. We are connected together. And that's not a connection that we make. That's not a connection we make. That's a connection that the Lord makes. Okay? Because we're a body. We each have an individual part to play in the network of our togetherness. God is working through you in his measure of grace. So don't belittle what God is doing in you. Some of us desire to be used the way that other people are used. And so we feel like we're not actually used because maybe our gift doesn't look like another person's gift. There are some people who come into the platform and they always have a really cool word for us. And we're like, man, the Holy Spirit's using them. But there are so many more gifts than just that one. That's an important gift. And it seems like a flashy gift, I guess. Maybe I would call it that. Like, it's like, ooh, that's fun. But there are so many more gifts. And if you are a believer, God has graced you with a gift. And that is not me just being positive or encouraging. That is me demonstrating or dictating what Scripture has taught us. That if you are a believer, there's a gift that the Lord has measured out specifically for you, used to build up the church and reach the world. There's a gift specifically for you. There are three portions of Scripture that these gifts are talked about. Romans 12, 6 through 8. You want to write these down. Romans 12, 6 through 8, talks about some of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, and then 28 through 30. And then the verse that we just read, Ephesians 4, 11, that has the fivefold ministry. There's a lot of gifts that the Lord has given us. It's not just one. It's not just preaching. It's not just pastoring. It's not just prophetic. There are so many more gifts. And if we, if we have it in our mind that our gifts are limited to platform, we will abdicate our role as members of the body. We'll expect that the, the body work only happens on the stage on Sunday mornings from, you know, 9 to 12.30 or whenever we're going to be here. That's when the work happens. But I will tell you, the predominant place and platform of the move of God happens pew to pew in the parking lot and the restaurants in your household. That God has given you a gift that is to be used to build the body, to change the world. There are things that God is calling us to do. I believe that God is calling us to be a house of revival. Pastor Andrew talked about it pretty recently, um, just, just a, a couple minutes ago, how we're praying for a revival. In the beginning of my church days, I got to go to Brownsville Revival that was in Pensacola, Florida, where we would, we would pack up our car, we would drive from um, um, Jacksonville all the way to Pensacola, and we'd have our lawn chairs in our car because we knew we were going to have to wait outside for three or four hours in order to get into the building because the power of God was really, really strong in the house. He was healing people. He was transforming lives. 
He was giving people manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit that I'd never seen before. I watched people get out of wheelchairs. I saw people who were blind start to see. I saw people shaking and laughing and falling down on the ground because the power and presence of the Holy Spirit was so overwhelming to them. I know that when revival comes, it may seem like chaos. And church, if we are not ready for this revival that we're praying for, if we are not building up and understanding our gifts, we may quench the revival by our own lack of structure and understanding on how to host it. And I want us to be a church who knows how to host revival well because we are all building ourselves up. We are all building each other up. That we are not depending on one man to lead the way. That we are expecting, like, let's go. We're all going. We're all seeking. When a person comes in, when hundreds come in to experience the presence of God and hundreds of hands are raised for salvation, there are hundreds of people ready to, to usher them into a place of discipleship. That's what we're looking for. So you are all capable and gifted, not because of your skills or your history or any of those things, because the Lord says so. God has graced you with it. So I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to go over just a few of these gifts. Just a few. There's a gift of administration to steer or rule or govern, somebody who guides or directs a group of people. Man, in seasons of chaos, we need the gift of administration. Someone who can see something from beginning to end and understand how to put those pieces together. There's the gift of evangelism, where you have a burning heart for the lost, that you go and you understand how to dictate the gospel to somebody who's never heard it before, that you make the gospel come alive to people. Some of you have the gift of exhortation, a gift of encouraging the body of how powerful and amazing the works of God are. Some of you have a gift of mercy, where you have an empathy for people who are going through hard times. And instead of judging them or assuming that they just got to fix it on their own, you desire to walk with them for extended periods of time because your heart burns for the lost. What I want to do right now is I want to pray for the Lord to give us an impartation of our gifts. There's a gift of tongues. There's a gift of interpretation. There's a gift of healing. There's a gift of miracles. There's lots of different ways that the Lord manifests himself and gifts us in order to build each other up. And some of you might have a little bit of awareness. I think I'm gifted in this way. Some of you maybe have never considered it. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to wait on the Lord and we're going to consider it. We're going to ask for it and maybe even practice it. So what I want you guys to do is um, I'm going to invite those who want to take a step into a greater understanding of their capacity in the body or they want to take a step closer to Jesus. I'm going to actually have you take a physical step outside of your aisle. Either just fill the aisles or you're going to come to the front, okay? And I'm going to ask all of the prayer teams to come up to the front first because we're just going to spend some time praying, okay? We're going to expect that God is going to show up right now. He's going to pour out his presence. When I think about revival, that's what I think about. It's just an extra pouring out of the presence of God. It's not about like tears and this experience, but it really is just an extra pouring out. It's extra. God being extra <laughs> pouring out on his people. 
So if you're wanting to discover your gifts, if you're wanting to exercise your gifts, if you're wanting to say yes to Jesus, go ahead and start to make a move right now. Just make a move. You don't have to come far. If all you can do is take a couple steps, just step out and you can stay in the aisle. But I encourage you, come to the front and let's just start to um, ask the Lord to pour it out. Let's ask the Lord to pour it out because God wants to move. He wants to move in his body. He wants, to allow you, he wants to allow you to be encouraged. He wants to um, give you a, a fresh wind. Holy Spirit, would you start to move at this altar right now, God? Would you start to pour your spirit out on all flesh, the way it says in your word? Would you pour it out? Oh, God, would you give us a different taste, a different touch of your presence right now, my Lord? God, I pray, Father, that you would heal hearts right now. God, I pray that you would start to touch minds right now. God, that you would start to set people free in Jesus' name. If you're, if you're coming up, go ahead and raise your hands. Raise your hands like you're going to receive. Raise your hands. Yes, Lord. As our hands are raised, God, we receive. I think about the measurement that you give. God, let us be a people who have a big measurement in mind. That it's not based on how good we are, God, but it's how, based on how good you are, my Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give people um, a, a gift of speaking in tongues right now, that you would relieve us from fear, that we would start to step into the manifestations of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And God, as you start to move and shift in this place, my Lord, would we submit to you? Would we say yes to the way that you're guiding us and yes to the way that you're leading us, Holy Spirit? I pray for people who need salvation right now, God. Would you meet them right now? Thank you, Lord, for the life made new because of salvation. The Spirit brought to life because of salvation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Go ahead and just start to say words out loud. If you're asking for the Lord, you need to pray. You need to pray to the Lord. You need to pray. Lord, would you move? We're going to spend um, just a couple more minutes. I'm going to close in prayer, but I believe that those who are up need to kind of stay up. Um, but I don't want those who need to leave to need to not be able to leave. Um, so I'm going to close. You know, church, when, when we're waiting on the Lord, uh, it's just so helpful if the entire congregation is engaged. Yes. Right? And so we're not, we're not just observing, but we're engaged. So even if you're just, just standing and waiting, yeah. I just want to encourage you right now, just begin to pray. Yes. Out loud. Just say, Lord, thank you. We bless you for what you're doing. We're open to the visitation of your spirit. We're hungry for you. Just everybody in the house, just begin to express your hunger for him. Uh, we're hungry for you, Lord. We don't, we don't want just a little bit. We don't want just religion. We need an encounter with the master. So, Lord, we just wait. We pray, Lord Jesus, right now for the people that are receiving, that are being filled, that are reaching out, Lord, that you would fill them. We thank you that your word says that when we ask for bread, you don't give us a stone. You give us bread. You give us the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're just asking for a fresh filling on every single person in the house today, a fresh impartation of your spirit, a fresh 
revelation, Lord, of the anointing from heaven, that you would pour it out today. The water, Lord, that comes from your spirit, you said the water will never run dry. It's a river that's abundant and has supply that's enough, Lord. So we just receive right now from the river of living water. We receive right now by faith, Lord, all that is needed. You have more than enough. And so God, just fill your people up. Lord, for those that are right now feeling broken, that you begin to heal. For those whose spirits, Lord Jesus, are, are just down and depressed, we're asking for encouragement. We're asking for life. Lord, for those that feel far away from you, God, that you would just freshly receive them and touch them, embrace them with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now listen, we're going to continue to soak here for those that you want to soak. You don't have to go anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss because I know some of you have kids and you need to get kids. You need to get places. I don't want you to be, feel guilty. So you can be dismissed right now. But do that quietly if you would so that we can continue to just create this environment here. I'm going to invite you back tonight at 6 p.m. to soak some more. God is good. Love you guys. We will see you next week or see you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at caseyhamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.